Let me get a couple of things out of the way off top. One, all right. I firmly believe you are worth whatever somebody is willing to pay you. Two, in principle, I am not a pocket watcher. So I just wanted to establish those two things. Having said that, listen, I have heard my share of commentary. But I don't care if sparks fly out of Tom Brady's mouth. I don't care if the cannons blare, if the mountains crumble and the seas roar. No color commentary is worth $375 million. No analysis. Yes. $375 million? Yes, it is. It's Tom yes, Brady. It I love him, but golly. Woo, but hey, listen. It ain't tricking if you got it, right, Fox? Hey, hey, man. I like it. I like it. I'm telling you. And not because. Oh, I'm not hating. Somehow it. Hey, don't get it twisted. I'm not, I'm not hating it. I'm not hating the player or the game. I'm just saying right, right. $375 million for him to color commentate. It's biggest contract in history for a reason. Go ahead. You were saying. And, and, and look, I'm not saying it's got, you know, I, you, we real here, man. We real Why do you do that on television? Why do you do that on television? What? Can you not do that in, do the, in, in the eight hours that you have before three o'clock? Put chapstick on in the middle of a conversation. Like, so what? <laughs> I mean, you so don't know what? you were doing TV at hey, three o'clock? You didn't, you you didn't know it. the show started at it. three? Do you do it? Do you do it in real life? You do it in real life? Hey, listen, if I was talking to you right across from you, and your I bet you Tom Brady kind of way, will not do your will not put on chapstick <laughs> when he's about hey, to do the hey, game. Hey, <laughs> I bet you he will with 310 years. If, if, if that contract well, he is can guaranteed, do he he'll do whatever, he he'll do do whatever he the hell he wants to do. But if he I was right across from you and your breath was a certain kind of way on TV, I might hand you uh, a cert. They still had all those called certs. And you take it on TV or a mint. It's no big deal. But anyway, I'm going to tell you why. It's worth $375 million for Tom Brady because if you're Fox, you think about all the people that you can be associated with. This is about brands. And I shouldn't be talking like this because he didn't come over to this side. He didn't come over to this side, uh, NBC Peacock. But I'm just saying, just in general, if, if you're Fox and you're saying, who are the people we can associate with our brand and would be good partners for the next 10 years? You, you're not saying many names before you get to Tom Brady. Who's available and who could be on, on our side? So it's not necessarily, it's not even necessarily about being in the booth. It's just the association. They're it's paying be, it's being, in, being in business with that, Tom Brady. It. Again, that's it. You're worth that's what somebody is willing to pay. And the Brady name, the Brady brand, the Brady. I agree with you, but we're still talking about his primary job. I know he'll be an ambassador and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, but his primary job is going to be the number one color analyst a job which he hasn't done a job which I don't doubt he'll be good at because he'll probably work himself to the bone to try to be the best at it. I mean, I don't know that anybody I thought Troy you. Aikman was going to be what Troy Aikman is. Troy Aikman was dry yeah. as a player as I recall and he turned into a number one guy. Tony Romo had personality. But I don't know that anybody saw him becoming what he's become the way he's becoming. Right. Here's my here's, here's the reason my eyebrows still go up at 375 for anybody. Tell me why. Tell me why. Okay. Only okay. because just like it, in sports, you you can't win a game in the first quarter, but you can lose it. Right. You mm -hmm. can't you can't win the broadcast in the booth, but you might be able to lose viewers. In other words, I just don't know that. 
even a Tom Brady makes that big of a difference calling the biggest of games. He'll make the bigger games feel bigger, even bigger initially, right, right, right. but very, very quickly. That's going to wear off very, very quickly. He'll just be another player calling games and it'll come down to the yeah. guy still playing. It'll come down to the guy still playing between the lines, not the former guy who may or may not be all that transparent and all that candid, depending on how honest he chooses to be. 375 yeah. is a lot, but again, it's their money. It ain't mine, and it is Tom Brady. So I don't hate it for him. I don't hate it for them. I'm not hating on the deal. I'm simply saying I don't know how much of a difference a color commentator makes. Certainly not $375 you know million dollars worth of difference. I, I'm, glad, I'm glad that number just gets your attention. And it's not just you. I heard it. I had the same reaction, just like eyeballs popping out of the head more than normal. Okay, you know, you're like all these things. You're like, ooh, 300. How many years? How much money for Tom Brady? Is he what else is he doing? This is amazing. Okay, that number stands out, but I'm glad it does because usually, Mike, when you hear these lists, you know, there are always these lists, you know, Forbes, richest athletes, richest people in the world, and you talk about the holdings that they have. You know, all the, the, the numbers get so dizzying after a while, it just doesn't register. You're like, yeah, yeah. Like, how much money does Jeff Bezos have? I, I, I have a lot, a lot. You don't, it doesn't really register. But in this case, I want you to think about $375 million. Then I want you to think about somebody's paying $375 million. Then I want you to think that they're not close so to how going much money out of they business. Have. Sure. Right. Absolutely. And so when fans, <laughs> it's a, but it's when fans drop talk in their about, bucket. <laughs> that's what I'm saying, like Mike, and this yeah. is why I like it. When fans talk about players making money and ooh, is is this receiver worth 25 million, 30 million? Is this quarterback worth 40 million, 50 million? Yes, they are, because you're not even thinking about the whole well, ocean that's out there, and but, that but just it, tells but we're you not how even much talking money about playing though. Sure, I, I, that's fine. That's all relative. That's fine, but but no, but, but that's but I you, think that's the issue though. Tells Michael. You how much money we're talking. They have again, not not well, no, no doubt again. It ain't tricking if you got it and you know ownership. Uh, that's I I think trying to appeal to the people again. It, it, there's a it's a it's a longer conversation, but the people out there who wonder um, or, or who are anti player in player versus management feuds forever puzzle me given that we, we should all be able to relate to the, the common working man and relatively speaking all of these people no matter how many zeros are at the end of their salary they're the common working man to ownership or in this case the network executives or the Murdoch family whatever right okay so right. this is what I'm getting at though there is something though problematic I'll put it that way problematic about a picture Ooh. where Tom Brady can play for third for, for can make less money in his playing career than he will in his broadcasting career. It's like, what are we really talking about here? Like, what are these guys actually again with all due respect? What are these guys actually adding to the game to warrant making more than the guys actually playing the games? That's the only part you're right about. Generally speaking, it's okay, all relative. Well, like they're getting paid what somebody can afford to pay them. Again, yeah, that's that's not the point. That the point is he's still calling games. He's not playing in them. He's not going to be the show, well, listen, not for long, at least. Listen, listen, you 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 raised a great question, and I would say, 
more money should go to people playing the games and people calling the games, yeah. commentating, whatever. But that leads to a conversation about the salary cap itself. All right, I, I, I turn around to say it should be bigger. If if you can get to the point where you, because you're, you're TV, so you're TV, you're paying the NFL anyway. You're paying the NFL, and that allows the NFL to have a certain salary cap. So you're paying the NFL, you're, part, you're one of the partners, and then you can turn around. You can say bye to uh, Troy Aikman and Joe Buck. They were making a nice little uh, piece of change. And then you can bring back Tom Brady, who makes more than both of them combined. That yeah. means there's more, there's more, even more money out there for the entertainers on the field, for the performers, well, and not just the analysts. Yeah. There's more money for What's all of us. What's the number? 75 out of 100? All of us. I'm glad you said that. Uh, what was the number? Yeah, yeah, 75 I, out I'm of, thinking that way. 75 out of 100 yes, out of the most... Out of the top 100 most viewed programs, 75 were NFL games or something to that effect. Look, again, there's more where this came from, and they only made a transaction that they could afford. It's just, but it's not just Brady. It is this announcer musical chairs that we have seen lately, whether it's the play-by-play -play person or the color analyst, $20 million, now $37.5 million. Like, and, and nobody will probably touch that but somebody's going to fall in between those two figures. It's yeah, just it's right. gotten out of it's gotten out of control. It, they ain't, they ain't wide receivers for crying out loud. And again, I just I just wonder initially there'll be the curiosity factor. But if the Cowboys and the Eagles are playing in week 17 for the <laughs> NFC East Championship, all right? Cowboys That's Eagles, right. we oh, excuse me, week 18, I beg your pardon. Still got to get used to that. Cowboys and Eagles week 18 for the NFC championship game on, on the line. Is anybody going to watch that otherwise would not because Brady's on the call? I think that's a, a, a safe. No, I think it's safe to say no, like nobody's going to tune in because Brady. Like I said, some people may tune out if they hear the wrong voice or they don't like the color commentator, but they're only going to tune out or at worst. They may mute it, right? At worst, they may, they may mute the television, but they're going to find a way to still tune in and engage with the NFL. Look, good for Brady. I think and also, way, I've never you done and that. I, you never muted a, a yeah, no, I don't know that anybody for me has been that bad. No, but going yeah. back to I mean, like, our humble beginning like over the years, I don't maybe this, Dan this is such once. a Dan Fouts one time, but other than that, no, this is such a crazy place. We're in in 2022. If you had told either of us 20 years ago that not only would that four string guy out of Michigan that afterthought 199th pick of the draft in 2000. Not only would he go on to win seven Super Bowls and be the greatest of all time, but he'd also be a color commentator as well as a media mogul. That's that right. part is a trip to me. Just given the restrictions that were once placed on him, who he's become is fascinating. I mean, I mean, really, I mean, I want to I want to touch on that and then go to something else uh, uh, off of uh, Stephen Holder's tweet. But Tom Brady, this was so at, at pick 199. Now we know this. We, we're draft Knicks. We're all into it. We're draft nerds. And, and many of you out there are as well. So you know, if you pick 199, you're getting real close to not being drafted. So Tom Brady was looking around. He saw some of his Michigan teammates drafted. He saw some people in the Big Ten that he competed against. He saw a lot of them drafted before he was. So he's really starting to think, is this thing for me? Is he going to be a. Um, undrafted free agent 
signing with the team or he really thought about working insurance in insurance. That's what he was going to be. He was an insurance man. Tom Brady he was thinking about getting a job. So to think about that on draft day 2000 April of 2000. You're like, I, I don't know. I don't know where that check is going to come from. I'm a graduate from a very good school. No sarcasm. Very good school University of Michigan academically at least uh, they need to work on a football program, but academically very good school. I'm a graduate here. Where am I going to go next to 22 years later? You've got everything. You've got rings. You've got uh, you've got respect on the field and now you got respect off the field. You got all these businesses all these ventures. It's really an incredible story, but I would say to Stephen Holder's point about hey, he said I'm not hating. essentially what you're saying. I'm not hating, but just curious, you know, people are going to watch the NFL regardless. Sure. Uh, I'm going to go to the movies regardless too. So I don't even know how much Leonardo makes per movie. Denzel makes per movie. Anybody name your biggest star. Uh, yeah, I don't, that's I don't not care the who it thing. is. Yeah, but that's not it, the same thing. It, the, the point is, okay, you're going to go. It's like not, you're going to see them it, perform. Brady is not the show not. in this instance. You're going but to see Leonardo I, act. No, regardless of what Leonardo makes or, 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 or Denzel makes, you're going to see them perform their craft. Nobody yeah, would bet it high if the Miami Dolphins my, or the Bucks or whoever paid Tom Brady to quarterback their team for thirty-seven and a half million dollars. But this is nobody why, would bet it high. This is why. This is why it is similar. Because yes, I might go to a movie for him. I might. But if you take him out of the mix, and let's say you take the top ten, whoever they are, I'm not getting into ranking them. You can't. You take out the top ten actors in Hollywood and say they're not going to make movies for 20 years. You go find your boy at the movies in you. I'm still going to go because I enjoy the exercise. It's just like the NFL. Yes, if Tom Brady is there, I'm going to watch. If he's not there, I'm going to watch. But I, I recognize how much money right. is out there. And and it's just the it's, you, know, you know, people say they're not hating. I, I think it's a little bit of hatred. I think it's a little bit. It's not hatred. Maybe you got to the wrong feet. It, no, well, no, not at all. I can't like I put it this way. I can't I can't maybe I, I can't hate on Brady. I can't hate on Brady and none of us can hate on somebody that can do something that we can't yeah. do. I never understood right, people who right. hate athletes. It's like well hell I yeah. wasn't born 610. I can't throw a football. I threw all of four touchdown passes in my high school backup quarterback playing days. By the way, I'll do it for five million as a maybe give or take. As a, I was a backup high school quarterback who beat Eli Manning head to head. I'll cut you a break and for five million if you're looking for a color commentary on the cheap, commentator on the cheap. That's neither here nor there. I don't. I'm not hating on Brady. Brady has done enough and accomplished enough, and he's sought after enough to demand. Again, that's why I started the way I started. I don't pop as on principle. I don't pocket watch, and you are worth yep. what somebody is willing to pay you. Hell, I have been overpaid. I have been overpaid in my life for what it is that I do. I ain't gonna lie, but I'll Wait take it. Minute. I'll still cash them suckers. I'll still cash Ooh. them checks. So I'm not about to sit up here and be hypocritical. What we're saying is, okay, if, if sticking with your movie comp, all right, you are going to go to the movies in general, regardless of who's in it. But you are more okay. likely to go to see a Tom Cruise or Denzel or Leo movie than you are a Michael Smith movie because you know what you're getting and that's why the they brand. are the biggest yeah. their box office Brady as a quarterback can and could have we know why he didn't take as much money 
could have commanded far more money than he made throughout his career because he makes a difference on the field. That's why the quarterbacks and the top quarterbacks make $40 million or whatever they're making nowadays. But when you're talking about a color commentator, all we're trying to figure out, not hating, is does the average viewer care more about the NFL, which is hard to do given the, the hole that the NFL has on Americana. Does the average viewer care more about the NFL based on who is in the booth during the game or who's at the desk at halftime or pregame? And I would venture to say no. I don't think that's how much you to say I'm saying I it's need about that answer the game. To be yes. I need that answer to be yes. I'm that just people encouraged. Care more? I'm encouraged. Yes. I'm, yeah, I'm just encouraged. I, I'm, I hope so. I hope I hope all of this Why? matters. Because you think a rising tide floats all boats? I got I feel news like, for you. <laughs> I feel like my ship is that coming. Ain't no, I feel like my, ain't no I trickle see down it. economics here. Look, I sorry, Bobby. Ain't, no <laughs> ain't no trickle down. Swing low, sweet chariot. I ain't, see it. Ain't no I trickle down economics here, bro. No, I'm sorry. No, it's not Let me ask you this. We got, we got to go to break soon. Wait. Let me ask you this. Do you, yeah. do you believe he'll be good? Do you believe he'll be good? Yes. I think he'll be good. I, I think he'll be good in a way. I think he'll have substance because Tom Brady, just uh, you know this from interviewing him, he just he just thinks about the game deeply. He loves the game and he gets into stuff that other people he, he goes places other people either can't go or won't go. Yeah, he'd be great. Does he? As a matter of fact, I don't know. I, think I, I don't know if that's the case. Oh, he can. I think he's just Tom oh, oh, Brady. I know. I ain't never heard him be that deep. To he's him. just Tom Brady. Oh, he's deep. Oh, he is. Oh, I have. I have. His, I his, his voice carries. Okay, you say so. If they got a little bit more money, a little bit more money. There it is. There it is. That dude, Number four. That dude, was, that dude was a dope team leader, and I brought up the team GPA quite a bit. I'll have you know. Um, <laughs> hey, I tell you who be Wait, great. Wait, when is Brady though? gonna retire? When is Brady gonna retire, Michael? That's, tell me that. That's what I want to talk. That's next. That's part two. All right, we'll come hey, back to this school, later. Old school, linear. Let's come back to this later. Linear yeah. TV. After yeah. the break. <laughs> right, we'll come back to this later. He led his team down the stretch, made a lot of uh, tough shots. Um, you know, you got to give him credit. You know, uh, a lot of people at 35 cannot even, you know, play that way. Uh, hopefully, we can bless you when we are in uh, his position, and when we get old, you know, we're still in the league. And we can still compete in, in you know in the highest level. Uh, that's the goal. But uh, he's playing amazing. You know, he's playing amazing for his team, and uh, he, he's the reason that the, um, they were still in the game. You know, in my my opinion. Uh, but like, you always gotta you always gotta give credit where you know credit is due. Yeah, I don't really know what he said to me, but the way he was looking at me and the way that he was going about it uh, really didn't sit well with me. And, and at that point, I think there's something switch uh, with me um, and then in the game. Al's, man, we love Al. He's one of these, the best vet we've ever had, best vet I've ever had. You know, he comes in and it never changes with him. You know, things going bad or good, he's going to be him. And nine times out of 10, it's going to work out in our favor. So we were very, very much needed of him. Um, and he, he came through big for us and helped us uh, secure this win tonight. All right, you heard Marcus Smart and Giannis Andetokounmpo talk about Al Horford, 35 years old, last night, had his career high. He's 35, he's been in the league for a long time, 
number three overall pick. I think it was in 2007 and in 2022. He has his career high Chris Mannix. You were in Milwaukee last night and you were telling me a really good story about Al Horford, how he got from Oklahoma City to Boston and Boston was probably the only team willing to give Oklahoma City what it was looking for for the rights to Al Horford. Did you just kind of pick up on that story. Yeah, I mean, obviously the Celtics were looking to get off a bad contract of their own, uh, that being Kemba Walker. But Oklahoma City, you know, back last spring and summer, Al Horford was available to anybody. And the Thunder really weren't asking for much, if anything, at all in return. But teams that contacted Oklahoma City were looking for the Thunder to attach an asset. Al Horford to take Al Horford's contract, which is all of this year and a partial guarantee for next year. They want Oklahoma City to attach a draft pick. The Celtics were the only team willing to include a pick, and they didn't include a protected pick. They included what turned out to be what the 17th pick in the draft um, that year, which Oklahoma City then turned and uh, flipped elsewhere. But uh, the Celtics were aggressive in going after Al Horford. And I think that's because Brad Stevens, who coached Al Horford for three years, knew he had something and knew that he could be a contributor uh, with this group. He knew they wanted to be defensively versatile. He knew they wanted to have a little bit more floor spacing offensively. And those are two things that Al Horford, even at this age, uh, can still do. So, you know, it, it was an under the radar deal at the time, but where would the Celtics be without Al Horford? And you wrote about this in Sports Illustrated, but for those who may have missed it, can you um, uh, elaborate on what happened to Al Horford, what he did um, between Philadelphia and Boston, that stop in Oklahoma City, he underwent something of a transformation, if you will, right? Yeah, well, I mean, more like a reinvigoration of his career. I mean, Philadelphia didn't work for Horford. I mean, he just isn't built to play alongside a guy like Joel Embiid. He's not built necessarily to be a full-time power forward. Um, he goes to Oklahoma City, and he becomes a full-time center. You know, he plays uh, the five spot with the Thunder, and he starts to play a lot of pick and pop with Shea Gilgis-Alexander. He does that for 28 games, the first 28 games of that season. Then the Thunder strategically decided to, you know, go into tank mode. They shut Al Horford down. And look, that was a benefit to him, too. Like, it may sound weird to suggest that not playing the second half of last season is benefiting a player in this postseason. But I absolutely think that's true. I mean, you think about it, Al Horford didn't play an NBA game for what, like eight months, nine months, whatever it was. And if you're 34, 35 years old, that time off can be invaluable. You can spend that time off, as Al Horford did, working on his body, making sure he was physically as ready as he could be at this advanced stage of his career uh, to be available. So I really believe that you know, the time Al Horford spent resting last season and into the summer has paid dividends for the Celtics um, in this postseason. So there's Al being available, though, and there's him being a veteran presence and being a role player. And then there's the 22 and 16 he gave the Bucks in game three with the, and nearly tipping it in at the end of the game to tie. Then there's 30 points last night and 16 in the fourth quarter. There's frustrating Giannis. Giannis is, is shooting terribly when guarded by Al Horford. So other than Giannis getting under Horford's skin with that stare down last night, what has gotten into Al Horford this series, these past few games, where he's not just 
a factor he's dominating. Well, I do think part of it is Al Horford was as motivated as any member of the Celtics to get into these playoffs. I mean, Al struggled with Philadelphia during their first round exit in the bubble, obviously didn't make the playoffs last year with Oklahoma City. He was coming off a run in Boston where he made, what, back-to-back conference finals, you know, with the Celtics. So he was eager to get back into the mix and play postseason basketball. And look, it's just a, a favorable matchup for him against these Bucks, especially when he's playing five. When he's playing five, he can space the floor and be a three-point shooter knowing Brooke Lopez wants to protect the paint. He's always been a very good uh, paint defender when it came to guys like Giannis and Joel Embiid. And on top of that, what I think is most important for Al's success these last couple of games is that for whatever reason, the Bucs have decided to leave him open. Like, part of their defensive strategy is to give Al Horford outside shots. That's not working. That's not a good strategy for Mike Budenholzer to pursue when this series shifts back to Boston on Wednesday. So it's not one specific thing, but kind of the confluence of things that came together uh, for Al Horford to get up to this point. Man, I'm a fan of the fight game. You write about the fight game, and I'm just thinking about some of the great ones uh, in history. Ali Frazier, Hagler Hearns, Hagler Leonard in Vegas. Some of them I've looked at that I just really can't call. Even I'm waiting for the decision. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. I feel like this is the same way, Chris. After four games, I have no idea who's going to win this series, who has the advantage. I think they're very close who has the advantage here? I know the Celtics won last night, but just big picture, who's, who's the better team? Who's going to win it? Well, I think you frame the question this way, Michael. Like, which team would you rather be in this situation? And I would much rather be Boston right now. Not just because they've got home court in two of the next three, but you look at what Milwaukee has to do to produce offensively. They need brilliance from Giannis to have anything close to a productive offensive game. Drew Holiday was a solid scoring option for two and a half games, but he took 30 shots in game three. He was five for 22 in game four. And you can't expect Drew Holiday to carry that type of offensive burden for this team. It's not his game. This is where they really miss Chris Middleton in that lineup. And, you know, guys like Pat Connaughton and Grayson Allen and Bobby Portis, like they can make some shots, but you can't really count on that either to be consistent offensive players. Giannis is really the only guy. And the Giannis I saw in the fourth quarter of game four was a guy that looked like he had been worn down by the physicality of the Celtics in the first three quarters. Like he got his points, played great in the third quarter, but he looked like he was worn down. And I have to imagine that's going to continue into game five. I mean, the Celtics are still going to push Grant Williams out at him. Al Horford out at him. Marcus Smart's going to have some turns on him, trying to give him a different look. Who knows if Robert Williams is back? He's probably going to get some reps if he's out there. They're going to bump and grind Giannis and wear him down and hope that he's settling for jump shots in the fourth quarter of these games, uh, which is only doing Boston a favor. The other reason I want, I'd like to be Boston is that we still haven't seen that Jason Tatum breakout game yet, have we? I mean, Tatum had 29 points in game two. But that was the Jalen Brown breakout game. Jalen Brown had 25 points in the first half. He was the one that led the way. Tatum had 12 points in the fourth quarter of game four, but he was remarkably inefficient for the first three quarters, and that was Al Horford's game anyway. We haven't seen Jason Tatum 
put his stamp on this series yet. And I got to believe, and you guys know Boston extremely well, that building is going to be out of control on Wednesday. It is going to be wild in that building. I think Tatum's going to feed off that. He's going to have, he's going to sense the moment. And I think we're going to get a big game from Jason Tatum in game five. Winner, of course, uh, gets the winner of Miami and Philadelphia. Before we kind of like unpack that series, do want to talk about MVP runner-up yet again, Joel Embiid, who you wrote about, and uh, and I thought wrote very thoughtfully as usual about uh, for Sports Illustrated as well, suggesting that him not winning MVP does not diminish what he did this season uh, and the player that he's become at both ends. I guess what, what my problem, Chris, we talked about this a lot yesterday when it comes to MVP. Is just what the conversation becomes whenever a player is named MVP as we expect Nikola Jokic to be and not playing in the postseason. Meanwhile, that masked man comes riding to the rescue. The crime to me is not that Joel Embiid was robbed by a deserving Nikola Jokic, but what's criminal is that Jokic's MVP is somehow delegitimized or invalidated or undermined by all the people who feel like, oh, it should have been Embiid. The, the writers got it wrong. These analytics nerds, here they go again with all their advanced stats. The eye test tells you it was Joel Embiid. It's like, like Nikola Jokic was historically brilliant. I, so I'll stop rambling. What do, you, what do you make of just the response to the news yesterday that Jokic was going back to back and denying Joel Embiid for a second straight season? Yeah, it's unfortunate because you almost need to be like, Bart Simpson on the chalkboard, right? This is a regular season award. This is a regular season award. This is regular season award because it is a regular season award. And, you know, regardless of what's going on in the playoffs, that just can't be taken into consideration for something like this. And Jokic, he was brilliant. Like, look, it, it, full disclosure, I voted for MVP. For MVP. Um, I can articulate why. But, like, you know, Jokic, I don't have a problem within winning MVP, put up some monster numbers this year, better numbers in most areas than what he put up last season when he won MVP. He dealt with adversity of his own with uh, Michael, uh, Michael Porter Jr. only playing like nine games and Jamal Murray playing zero. So he strapped that team on his back and pushed them into what the sixth seed uh, in the Western Conference. That's impressive. That's a real accomplishment. Why I voted for Embiid though is yeah. it's not like Ben Simmons tore his ACL and was out for the season. Ben Simmons showed up at training camp and told everyone didn't want to play there. So like all season long, Joel Embiid not only had to produce at the highest level, which he did leading the NBA in scoring plenty of statistical um, arguments be made for Joel Embiid, but he navigated this team through some, what could have been very choppy waters at any point in time. Joel Embiid, who is the most powerful athlete in Philadelphia, which is not nothing in a sports town like that, he could have sicked the mob on Ben Simmons. He could have forced the Philadelphia front office to make a trade that they didn't want to make because Embiid was upset, because he wanted to get something now to help that team uh, make a run in the postseason. He never did that. He was nothing but complimentary about Ben Simmons. He said they would welcome Ben Simmons back. And when asked about the talent on that team, he repeatedly said, we have enough to win right now. So to me, those two things blend together and become one big reason to vote for MVP. The way he played on the court 
and how he led that team off the court gave him the edge on my ballot over Jokic and over Giannis. No argument so here. So when you talk about, yeah, that's, hey, listen, that's, that's a good breakdown. Um, you talk about this series, Philadelphia, Miami. I thought this thing was over, Chris. I, I really didn't think Embiid would be able to come back and be effective. He came back in game three and not only gave them a presence, but, but shut down Bam out of bio in game three. Then they won game four. That was a James Harden game. So now three games left in this series, potentially. Who do you like here? I mean, let's start with we should never criticize Embiid's injury history again. The guy's playing through a torn ligament in the thumb on his shooting hand and a broken face. Like, he's out there playing through the kind of stuff that guys would sit out weeks, if not months, for. Uh, he's out there playing and playing at a pretty high level. To me, the key to the series is hard because I think Embiid's going to be, you know, 75, 80% of what he usually is. Tobias Harris has been pretty good. Tyrese Maxey's been great. But you saw the difference that James Harden can make in that game four when he's playmaking. I think he had nine assists in that game. When he's shooting efficiently, he was like six for 10, I think, from three point range, eight for 18 uh, overall. Like they need that version of James Harden, which, guys, sitting here talking to you, I don't know if that version is going to show up. I don't know which James Harden is going to show up because for most of his time in Philadelphia, he has been a diminished version of his Houston self. Like that game four was a throwback the clock type of, uh, type of game. That was a turn back the clock game where he played brilliantly. He was playmaking. He was knocking down three-point shots. He was the alpha of that team offensively. I don't know if he can duplicate it. If he goes out and turns the ball over a bunch and shoots poorly, the Sixers aren't going to win this series. But if he can channel what happened in game four over, the, over two more games this series... Philadelphia's moving on. Pivot into the Western Conference. Uh, we saw the Warriors uh, grind one out uh, against the Grizzlies last night. I could still hear Steph Curry screaming in my head as he sold <laughs> that foul on Desmond Bain at the end of the game. That's so night. terrible. That, it's he, so he, terrible. He should get an Come Academy on. Award for that one. Um, Awful. But but what also awful has been um, Dylan Brooks's shot selection, mm. uh, his overall performance in this entire series. Awful is the fact that John Morant is sidelined. Um, but on the bright side, the Warriors overcame a sluggish uh, performance on the offensive end. I mean, when you look at the landscape of the Western Conference, and I got some pushback for this yesterday, but when you look at the Suns' inconsistency, now both series for, for that matter, uh, we'll see what the Mavericks have back in Phoenix. Would you classify, cover your ears, Michael Holly? Would you classify the Warriors, given their versatility, given the fact they've out-rebounded the best rebounding team in the NBA this year over the course of this series, would you classify them as the favorites at minimum in the Western Conference, if not to win the whole thing? I honestly don't know that there is a favorite in the West. It, to me, it's Phoenix and Dallas, and then, yeah, it, it just comes down to those matchups. I mean, like, I, I'm still, I, I don't ever want to see that game between the Warriors and and uh, Grizzlies <laughs> ever again. Like, that was painful. Like, Dylan, Dylan Brooks, in a way, reminds me of kind of a young Marcus Smart with his shot selection. You guys remember Marcus early in his career would just yeah. let it fly from all over the place. Dylan Brooks, who's a great yeah. defender, I mean, jump shot after jump shot. Like, not the greatest game for Taylor Jenkins to make his case for uh, Coach of the Year either because he's left him out there and had him 
keep doing that. I, I didn't really understand the thought process uh, when it came to that. But like the Warriors, you can see they go into lulls as well. Like they're not this well-oiled machine uh, offensively. You know, Draymond's still great defensively. He came up with big stops uh, down the stretch, but yeah, you know, they're vulnerable. No question about it. And I, I, I'm with you. I don't really know what to kind of make of this Suns Mavericks series right now. I mean, Phoenix looked like the the prohibitive favorite in those two games in Phoenix, and then you go to Dallas, and Luca kind of runs all over you. Dorian Finney-Smith's making threes, like they're spacing the floor really well. Like that's a coin flip type of series. So I, I look. I think the Western Conference is wide open at this point. I, I don't. I don't handicap one team above the other, honestly. Yeah, I'm glad you said that, uh, Chris, because this is a good time for me to confess. Uh, there's an audience here. You know, we got a group. We've known each other for a long time. I told Michael Smith a few weeks ago that, hey, Phoenix, he said, you, you're going to take Phoenix against the field? I got, I got the field. You got Phoenix? You fine with that? I said, yeah. And, you know, Michael, Chris, I'm going to amend that. I'm going to amend that. I think I probably went too far. I got caught up because, uh, Chris, uh, the Suns were taking on Michael Smith's beloved Pelicans. He was really invested in that series. And I think I just wanted the Pelicans to be humiliated more than I was really focused on analysis. So I think I just went too far because I wanted to, a stake to be driven into the Pelicans. But you're right. I mean, I, if, if you had to if you had to say uh, the entire league is there any team alive so we got eight teams alive right is there any team that can't win it I guess Memphis they're down three one but the other seven teams would you would you be shocked if any of the other seven wound up with no, a championship not at all and, and Memphis the only reason we don't include them is because of the Morant injury which could keep them out uh, even further uh, in, in this series it, this is Adam Silver's dream. Like, there, as you said, seven teams potentially could win a championship this year. The NBA has craved this kind of parity for years. Like, super teams, they draw ratings, no question about it, whether it's the Warriors, the Cavaliers with LeBron. Like, they do great numbers. Um, but that's not what the NBA wants. They're willing to take a short term hit in the finals or a short, a smaller hit in the finals if it means ultra-competitive series leading up to that. And that's what we're getting. You know, you got 2-2 with the Mavericks and Suns, 2-2 with the Celtics and uh, and Bucks, 2-2 with the Sixers and the Heat. Like, this is this is exactly what the NBA has always wanted, to have this kind of parity in the league. And, and I think it's great. Like, I, I hope every year we get two different teams in the NBA Finals. Like, that's good for the league. It's good for the growth of the league. And it, it's finally reaching that point where, you know, maybe a super team still crops up. You know, whether it's Brooklyn, Golden State in the years to come. But right now, this is exactly what the NBA wants. Man, you gave us exactly what we needed, Chris Mannix, man. It's always good to see you. Get some rest. Great. I mean, between the Canelo fight and, and, and the Celtics Bucks fight, as Michael put it earlier. Yeah, man. Uh, go, go take a break. Thanks for spending some time with us, though. We appreciate you. Anytime, guys. All right, man. All right, Chris Mannix. That guy. Every time Chris I see Chris Maddox, I'm like, this dude. This dude. Come. <laughs> it, 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 I feel it's like, who, who would have thought? Well, actually, we should have known because he always had the inside scoop. He always had the inside scoop right outside the garden. Oh, it's got info. Always. For 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. <laughs> 
Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. So back to Brady. Um, back to one, Brady. this dude is always into something. Like, I would, I would love to be like a fly on the wall or just to, like, know how many things he got his hands in. Because... I mean, what an offseason for him from retirement to waffling immediately to unretiring so much for wanting to stay home with the wife and kids to this rumor and innuendo and report and, uh, and legend. <laughs> I want to see about how, I want to know how you're going to describe that. He was going to be the owner quarterback of the Dolphins or whatever and it was. I mean, but just bottom line is it's like this dude is like restless. Yeah. And so now, yeah. He's got this deal cooking up. Who knows what else he got cooking up behind the scenes. Best part about the deal is it's there whenever he wants it. So he got a 10 year $375 million deal from Fox Sports to be their number one color analyst. Yeah, man. it might be another t- at this rate. It might be another 10 years before no, he starts doing no, no, it. No, 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 no. <laughs> See, that's that. What? That this is, is there. I know you. This I know you're exaggerating. I know you're exaggerating. I but is, that ain't it. That's not it. This is last year. Come by when you can. You know, get here when you can. I think no, 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 we'll no. leave the light on. No, man. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, but no, wait, before, before before you tell me why, or I just want to pick up on that point. Before you tell me okay. whether or not he's done now after this year, and he'll be an announcer sooner rather than later, wouldn't that be smart business, though? Like, why? to your point about just being in the Tom Brady business, why wouldn't you tell Tom, this is here, this spot is yours whenever you're ready? Whenever you're ready. Why wouldn't you tell Brady that? If you're gonna give him 375. Why wouldn't you tell him to do it on his own time? Yeah, because you know what? You want to see some type of return on your investment. Now, our, your initial conversation is what? What's the ROI anyway? Because you could get backup quarterback Michael Smith, number four in your programs, number one in your hearts. You could get him. He says negotiating publicly, which I would. Uh, I would counsel against, but he said we can have him for $5 million. (laughs) Okay, so we can save some money. So why not do that? I think I think they want if you ask me. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure you would. I'm sure you would. Um, But I think if they're gonna pay that kind of money, they want to start saying they I don't want to wait five years for it. I don't want to wait three years for it. I'll wait one year. I think there's news in this. I think Fox. I think I think three people know Tom Brady's going to retire. Well, maybe five people. Five people know Tom Brady, Giselle, somebody in charge of Fox, Alex Guerrero, and then and then and then our guy uh, from uh, yeah, uh, uh, Gotham, Gotham Chopper. He knows. Oh, oh, that's it. Yeah, Yeah. Gotham Chopper. That's it. Well, but I think, so but I think I, you make it. So as in, as in, they know that he's done after this year. See, I think you're making year. the same mistake we did before. Where, and now, conspiracy theories aside, but even okay. I remember toward the end of last season, toward the end of last season, like, oh, he knows he's done. Let's play this out, okay? Yeah. What if Brady says to Fox, "Yeah, I think this is gonna be my last year." But at the end of this year, we go to it he pulled, all over again. He pu- right, right. If you're Fox, do you pull the deal back? If he pulls a fast one on us again, 
and says, oh, actually, I'm not done. I, I, what if they win the Super Bowl? He's like, oh, you know what they say? Leave on a make. I got to defend this title. I got to run this back. Or, or what if he does want to play with the Dolphins? What if he does want to play with the Dolphins? What if that what if that comes to fruition next year? I'm just saying like and listen, if you're Fox, do you then say, oh, no, you reneged on this deal? No, thanks. First of all, I would argue Fox today is already getting return on its investment just based on the press. Just this, based yeah, on yeah, the just press. The, this is association. This, this. this is so the publicity. Yeah. The, just How about be, this? Yeah. We had we had our guy from the uh, I am athlete podcast Brandon Marshall. He was an active player and a member of the media. Greg Olson, active player, member of the media. Tom Sound Brady, like Dolphins, about to do it. Even though he doesn't have a Dolphins team right now. Dolphins quarterback. Like about to do it. Dolphins quarterback and Fox analyst. Maybe. <laughs> it could happen. I don't think that would work. I don't work. know. I don't think that would work. Nah, I, maybe during the bye, maybe during either. the bye week. Yeah, maybe during the bye week. But I think but Remember hey, the dude wanted to spend more time with his family and wanted to, and, and, and couldn't commit to the grind. Like this, uh, this Mike, play-by-play color commentary gig is a grind too. Quiet as it's kept. Yeah, it is. Yeah, okay, Mike. What you, you talked earlier? You're right. You said people will pay you whatever you know. Whatever somebody decides to pay you is what. That's what it's going to be. So why why do uh, salaries skyrocket? In your opinion, why do salaries skyrocket? Why? Why do why, salaries why, yeah. skyrocket? I mean, more yeah. money is made. Got, collective bargain, collective like the, the the pie continues to grow, or, and based on a collective bargaining agreement, so much has to be shelled out to players, and then guys become free agents, and the rising tide floats all boats, and yeah. somebody signs and sets the bar, and and yeah. then also, yeah, that's true, and then also it could be, I'm gonna, I'm paying this to keep you away from something else. I know you can make sure. like you got a price. You got a price. Yeah. So I'm gonna sure. I'm gonna keep putting those zeros on the contract to make We're you go overpay. away, move you off that spot. So who right. knows? It could have been, hey, uh, I know you've got an opportunity to be in the front office with the Dolphins. I know you got an opportunity to make a big contract somewhere else. If you go, if you become a free agent, you don't resign with the Bucks. You put yourself on the yeah. open market. Somebody's gonna yeah. pay a lot for Tom Brady. But we wanna yeah. we wanna buy you out of that. And we're going to pay you a, a player like salary beyond that. We're going to pay you a player slash front keep him office from, type salary or to keep him from being our teammate or to keep him from another another competitor. You know, not, let's yeah. not sleep on that part. Like not that not that somebody else had a slot to fill. The other networks had kind of invested their money in who they were going to invest in in. But somebody would have made room and found some money to pay was, Tom Brady if he hey, said he but, wanted to come to a certain network. Let me ask, but here's the thing, man, Michael. I don't think it's a cold business, man. It's a cold business. I'm not trying to be oh, they'll move somebody else. They'll move somebody right. else too. E e e yeah. ESPN ESPN didn't have a, a, a available slot for a sure. buck. It wasn't available, hey. but hey, listen, they made if it. NBC, they made it so. If NBC needed to find the money, they come to both of us and be like, hey, every little bit counts, but fellas, <laughs> it's like, let's, let's get this back so we can get Brady in the building. But no, um, I don't. I, I won't. I won't ever believe he's retired. I don't, I don't think I'll ever believe he's. And by ever, mm -hmm. I mean even if he retired after this season and joined the Fox booth, I think there's always a chance that Brady would leave the booth and go back to the field. At any Got point. that twitch. Got that twitch. Yeah, it's happened. I'll, he's like, he wouldn't be the first is, guy. He has lost the benefit of the doubt for me. He has lost the benefit of the doubt. Like I will. 
I, I, I don't care what he tweets. I don't care what he posts on Instagram. I don't care what he says. He's already said, don't believe everything I say. I don't care what he does. Okay. I think I, I told you before. I'm not. He doesn't have to play consecutive seasons until 50. I said a long time ago he could play at 50. He may come and go. Who knows? I thought he. I thought he might have done well, it this year when he first announced the retirement. And then he just okay. came back 40 days. I later. understand. When you're writing about Tom Brady, you're going old school. You're not going Smith Corona, uh, no relation. <laughs> you're going pencil, right? You're going pencil when you're writing about Tom Brady because this thing could change. So in pencil, as you write this, are you okay. confident in saying that right now, as of May 10th, 2022, Tom Brady's final season will be the 2022 season? No, I, somehow, no I, I fundamentally no. disagree with you. No, no, really? no, 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 not, at not all. even like the I mean, that's not not you don't even think that's a temporary plan. That's how I feel right now. I'm on the how high Brady feels of, right now. Yeah, yeah. I'm no. on the high of signing this Fox no. contract. Did he sign the contract no. or did he agree in principle? <laughs> I think be, the contract important detail I, I, too. I think the contract and I think it's good business is just there whenever it's, it's 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 no shelf life. I think it's good. He's still going to be Tom Brady whether he retires after this year, next year, the year after. Like I think it's a a sound investment, a sound futures play on hey, we're betting on Tom Brady. We want to be in business with Tom Brady whenever he is done with the business of playing football. But again, let's go back to your whole Miami Dolphins thing. So that's just done. Like we just going to let that go. So after this season when he's a free agent, you telling me like hey, they ain't gonna revisit this thing? What happened? Like, I out. mean, it, it, it sounds they great, out. but, but they, it's when they, he's they done playing. But it's when he's done playing. What if he says I want to play next year for the Dolphins like, hey. and have this bootleg arrangement where I'm a executive and I and I and I, and I well, he ain't even got to go through that again. He ain't even got to do the shenanigans no, hey, and the charade of, of the being a front office guy and then unretiring. He could just go play straight away for the Dolphins. Hey, they, the young, the younger, the younger Murdoch said, "You want to stay here? You want to go home? You want to stay here? You want to go home? What, what you want to do? Make a decision. I, I, make a decision. I, just make a decision. Just make it. Just pick one. Just pick one. Just pick, make a decision. Just pick one. Which one you want? Just no. I, I, this dude, the, he can, he can do no wrong. He can do whatever he wants. Good for him. Um, that somebody is willing yeah. to pay this much to be in business with him. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure." In these corner offices and these and these conference rooms where these deals are hat or hatched together and, and, and thought out, I'm pretty sure they know that Tom Brady is not going to move the needle commiserate with $375 million. I think it's absolutely what you said. It's $375 million is nothing to them, first and foremost. Number two, it's a right. small price to pay to be associated with the greatest of all time. And whether that's an ambassador, whether that's him in commercials, they got, I think, two of the next three Super Bowls. The ratings Ooh. will be through the roof anytime Brady is through on the, the air for anyway. the pregame coverage. They probably have some kind of, you're talking about what, like the inner workings of the deal. They probably have some kind of um, content arrangement, you know, with his production company involved. He's probably going to make all yep. kinds of movies and documentaries and religion all religion of, of stuff, sports you know, that whole you know, thing. It's probably so again, many layers to yeah, it's so many, so many layers oh, the, to this. the whole thing. It, it's it's a win win, but I I would take Tom Brady whenever I could get him if I were Fox. I would not put a timetable on it. I would not rush him because if you let him keep playing, 
instead of seven times Super Bowl champion, maybe he's eight times Super Bowl champion or nine times. Remember, I said he would threaten double digits. Who knows? Who knows? You might, you might so. get him. You might get him when the price tag would have been even higher had you not locked him in now. All right, this listen, is another reason yeah, why I, I mean, was this smart. is like exactly. This might be real estate, bro. I mean, like we we're talking about this now. Maybe uh, maybe this is like the wave and, and the next one. Okay. They were like, oh, I can't believe Aikman and Buck got that much money. I can't believe Romo got that much money. I can't believe Brady got that much money. Maybe the next one, maybe the next wave is going up to 40 million for broadcasters. I don't know, but I would the tell only my next students, wave I could think of. I'm going to tell my students to pursue play by play. Hey, make sure you're <laughs> no color commentary. Make, no, 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 wait, but here's the thing. Both. No, 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 but actually, Both. no, it, it, we, uh, the truth of the matter is, and you're seeing it across the industry, we could have this conversation offline, is like, we are homo sapiens and these dudes are mutants. Okay, like the mutant X gene is taking over this business because like, okay, your students can't pursue co color commentary. I guess play by play. That, that makes a lot of money too, obviously. You know, it shout does. out to Al Michaels and yeah. Joe Buck and them, but other than those few like Tarico, everybody. Yeah. These do these dudes that played and have got the the the, the, the sterling resume of, of, of champions of championships and Pro Bowls and all pros and Hall of Fame career. We can't compete with that once they decide no, to but infiltrate that's right. and take over but, media. But we can't compete no, with that. You can't we can't compete with it, but you know what we can do. Here's my favorite word. We can partner with it because Tom Brady's a lead analyst with Kevin Burkhart. All right. You so got to be Kevin Burkhart. Uh, you got you, you, hey, Kevin Burkhart. You got you got Troy Eggman. You can't be Troy Eggman. You can't win three Super Bowls, but you could be Joe Buck. You know, you, you got to think about you where do you fit into this? You want you want to talk can't about the Tony justice seats. Them dudes, that, hey, Jim Jim Nance, them dudes ain't going nowhere. No time soon. The only person who I think in, in, in contemporary sports contemporary athletes that would command that kind of salary. LeBron, if he decided to do NBA games, I think somebody would pay oh, out yeah. the ass for LeBron. Maybe yeah. Steph. When you, Maybe Steph. When you just want, you, when you want somebody in 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 some corner office, or maybe in the bedroom of your house, your master bedroom, say, I gotta have Michael Smith. I just gotta have Michael Holly. I, I gotta. I just I just gotta have him. I, whatever it takes. Hey, Bruh, your boy just trying to make a dollar out of 15 cents. You know what I'm saying? Might might hey. see a brother on TV, but hell, it's almost like I'm rapping for free. That little money be gone. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, I just want to hear my wife say that. <laughs> oh, well, that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> make I sure she don't Michael search. Just make, hey, just make sure she don't search Jesse Williams and you might have a chance. <laughs> Jesse oh, Williams out here ruining it oh, for everybody. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
that's playoff basketball. Sometimes uh, it's grimy. Sometimes it's gritty. And for, for me, I know that, again, it shows it because they, they turned it into that in game two in Memphis, and we lost. And so they turned it into it again tonight, especially with Ja out, and our guys just found a way. So I, I'm so proud of them, you know, with, with our leader and, and, and Steve uh, being out with COVID right before the game. And, you know, Draymond emotionally, he's our emotional, he's our emotional heart and soul. And for him to get hit with something you know, that impactful, uh, that not only was it tough for him, but we felt it, we felt it as a group. And so, uh, it, it was a tough night for us, but again, Hey, at this point in the year, you win ball games. It doesn't matter how you get there, but you win ball games. And we found a way to win tonight. That's why I'm excited. Is there something you figured out in the fourth quarter? Nothing figured out. It was just don't let the first three quarters influence the fact that we still had a chance to win the game. Shoot the shots you think you can make. Play aggressive. Take care of the ball. We did all of those things. We got away with one that we probably shouldn't have won, um, but we are battle tested. We are. We do have championship pedigree, and we not, we understand that. Hey, on top of uh, me dealing with what I've been dealing with and emotion that I've been dealing with today in the loss of Adrian. We then walk into the arena to only find out that our head coach just tested positive for COVID right before the game. And so it's been a very eventful, emotional day nonetheless, but the Dubs pulled it out. The Dubs are up three to one, headed back to Memphis. And you don't squander opportunities. You take advantage of opportunities. So we are going to give all that we have to close this thing out in five. And I believe in my heart, if we go in locked in, play Warriors basketball from the beginning, that we'll do that. That's the plan. Dub Nation is happy, and that includes our next guest, Natalie, the hoostress herself. Queen of <laughs> NBA Twitter is here with us. Oh, One of the wow. queens of NBA Twitter, one of them. <laughs> um, and uh, unabashed Steph Curry uh, supporter. And, and, and that puts it, that's, that's putting it kindly, right? <laughs> Uh, all of that was music to your ears. You, just, you, you didn't see anything that you didn't already know last night with Steph going for 18 in the fourth quarter and the Warriors showing the championship DNA. But what were you reminded of watching your Warriors uh, grind out that game against the Grizzlies last night? Yeah, I mean, sometimes playoff games are just ugly, right? And I think people forget that. So I saw like a lot of people during the game on Twitter, oh, it's over, the Warriors aren't going to win. And I was like, what? You know, I was just sort of annoyed because I'm just like, are y'all forgetting who this team is? And on top of this, Steph is kind of like, it's underrated, but he's sort of like a king of the fourth quarters. Like, it's not just last night, but in general, he has so many big second half and fourth quarter moments throughout the playoffs. And so last night he went off. He did it by way of free throws. But, I mean, he's right now leading all, all of the remaining scores in the playoffs in fourth quarter points, both just in fourth quarters and in the clutch. So um, I expected that kind of performance from them. And then Draymond with that big defensive stop. I This is what I expect from the Warriors. He's also done okay. a great job defensively yeah. on Desmond Bain. Excuse me, Michael, because I got this. Yeah. This is coming yeah, yeah. for you. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get Natalie to come for you. Thank you. I, I need Natalie to come for you because the other day. <laughs> yeah. Let me give you a little context, Natalie. The other day, okay, please. Uh, Scottie Pippen gave his all-time starting five, and 
included himself. I respect it. So we just kind of <laughs> off, off the cuff gave our all time starting five, right? And I yeah. said, I want I got Russell. I got LeBron. I got Duncan. Of course, I got MJ and I got Steph. And I had I had Holly and Vinnie Goodwill talking about why Steph? Why not magic? Why right. not Steph Natalie? Why not Steph? Listen, come on, come on. Vinny, no, Vincent, Natalie can tell. I don't know that I have the right to call him Vinny, but Vincent's a low key hater. Okay, like I had this conversation <laughs> with him. <laughs> I had this conversation when he was on my podcast on that because I was like, well, what does Steph have to do in your eyes to pass magic? Is it a resume thing, or are you telling me like just as a player? he doesn't have, like, he just can't ever pass him. And in his opinion, he can't ever. But I'm like, if Steph gets, like, matches him in accolades, you don't even think there's a conversation. And I get it, because Magic Johnson's actually my favorite player of all time. But I don't know how you can doubt Steph's resume. So, and I think his un his defense is going so underrated in this series. And Draymond Green talks about it on the volume. So you guys, on his show, so you guys had a clip of him up. But he mentioned how... Steph has really done a good job of taking Bane out of this series. And I think that's actually one of the biggest reasons why the Warriors are up 3-1. All right. So, all right. So, yeah, thank you. Thank you for being kind to me and going to Vinny instead. I appreciate that. You know? Hey, listen, I, I'll do that with you. Hey, let, let's, just, let's, just, uh, let's just rip on Vinny for a little bit longer. Um, so, let me ask you this, Nat. You said okay, uh, a few minutes ago, you know who this team is. Yeah, you know, telling the people, these people on Twitter, do you know who this team is? So I want to ask you, who is this team? Because I start looking at the Warriors run when it really started, what, 2000, even before the championship, when you knew they were going to be a problem going forward, like 2014, they lost to the Clippers in a seven-game yep. series. It was really good. Yeah. And then, then they figured it out. And here we go. Here come the Warriors. So are they early run Warriors? Are they um, last should have been last champion warriors, but KD got hurt and and, and clay got hurt warriors. Are they something new? Like wh how do you slot them when you just try to put them into the continuum of great warriors, great teams? Who is this team? Yeah, I mean, I think this is the third iteration of the warriors almost like uh, the Spurs in a way. And I think it's to be determined because I think when you have players like Jordan Poole and Kaminga on the come up, they're going to ease that transition for Steph, Dre, and Clay. Um, and you could see like when trying to close out the Denver series or even like last night, right? Like Poole was kind of quiet. So he's not quite there yet, but he's on the rise. He's a budding star. But this team is actually, I, in my opinion, deeper than the, the 2015 team that won and the 2016 team that got to the finals and then ultimately lost and won 73 games that year. Steph is not at the front of his prime and Draymond isn't or Clay either, but this team is actually deeper in terms of, well, one, you have a second shot creator on the court and outside of the KD years, you didn't have that, but that's what Jordan Poole is. And so you have someone who can be on the court with Steph at the same time and you're seeing how someone like 
having Brunson just on the Mavs is helping Luca do that, right? So the importance of having that second shot creator. And then you also have Poole who can come off the bench. So you have Jordan Poole, you have Otto who's been amazing and been grabbing boards and getting them all kinds of extra possessions and providing spacing out there, even when his shot isn't falling. But when it is, that's great. You have Jonathan Kaminga who, even though he's young and raw, is a mismatch, can get to the line, can put pressure on the rim, can be a vertical threat and a lob threat. So they're actually a deeper team. Like those earlier teams, they went about seven deep. And then after Sean Livingston, it got kind of sketchy. So I think people are underestimating what this next iteration is. I think they have like a title window of two to three years. It's crazy that they all rebound in, in this series, the, the best rebounding team in the league this season. But you, yeah. like, yo, Natalie, you're you're deep in these uh, these NBA Twitter streets. So let me ask you this, because we've been talking, <laughs> Michael and I have been talking about just like, because we 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 all oh, we out we out that game. We don't know what y'all talking about nowadays. But you know, Michael and I were talking about just the tenor, the tone and tenor of this series, the code, as a co-star yeah. of this series. I wonder what you make of the temperature, the tone, the tenor of the series when it comes to some of the chippiness and some of the physicality. But also, I wonder, take us kind of like in these Twitter streets. What's it been like with Grizzlies Twitter and Warriors Twitter when it comes to, you know, the back and forth uh, over the over the course of these first four games? Yeah, it's gotten pretty toxic to be candid. I mean, and I can and I can say that for both fan bases because I mean, you have doxing going on, which I do not agree with. You have, you know, women being attacked, which is an everything thing. It's an everyday thing on Twitter anyway, just for yeah. How dare we talk about sports, right? So you have that happening. Um, so it's it's getting toxic and people take sports too seriously. But I think it's also even getting a little ridiculous between the teams. So I personally think I don't have a problem with Steve Kerr saying that they broke the code. You had other NBA players agreeing with it. I mean, Matt Barnes got on TV, said he agreed. Richard Jefferson, who, you know, sometimes can be sort of critical of the Warriors, he agreed. And so you have NBA players even kind of co-signing that. So I don't think he went overboard and they were still careful not to actually use the word dirty, but I mean, it was a reckless play. And I think that's pretty known amongst anyone who's ever hooped before played at any level. Like you don't hit someone while they're in the air (laughs) because they're defenseless. So, I mean, it was just, it was just a super reckless play, but I think when it continued on to like trying to frame, and maybe this is my own bias, but when it continues on to trying to frame Jordan Poole as a as a alluding to like he should be suspended for you know incidental contact with Ja or things like that. I just think it's getting too excessive. And I just feel like all these kind of I don't know, like alluding to the league needs to take a look at things or calling certain things into question after the game. I don't like that. I haven't really seen that before in basketball and it's it's new. I don't like it. I think it needs to stop. Like you win games, you lose games, players get injured. That's a part of NBA playoff basketball. And it's unfortunate because we would like to actually see John ja the series. I know for a fact, Jordan Poole wants John ja in that series. I know Marcus Thompson was on yesterday and like was speaking to y'all about this, but like who wants to go at Ja? And you know, so yeah. no one wants to see him out hurt. Like Ja's an electric, exciting player. So I think it's really gotten out of hand. So I just wanted to be done. I need the Warriors to end this because it took all the fun out of the series. Like even with like my Grizzlies mutuals, I'm like, I don't even want to talk to y'all. <laughs> well, listen, you know, <laughs> and, and war and Warriors fans know about injuries in the playoffs. Clay Thompson 
in that finals that I referenced against the Raptors. Uh, really uh, sad to see that. And it took him a long time to get back. It's Clay yeah. back. Is you think Clay is back to where he was? That's a loaded question, right? I mean, I think he's not the same defensive player right now. But I don't want to say that he can't still be a good defender. I don't think you're going to see him anymore, you know, guarding those smaller guards or at the point of attack. And that's that's what we have Andrew for now anyway. But I think when he can get some of the the strength back up in that leg and has another season under him, which is typical, like usually when you have those kind of injuries, it's not usually the first year you come back, but it's the second year. So I think I think having Clay like on some bigger guys and I think he can still be like effective. I don't know that he'll be making all defensive teams, but I think his defense will come back. As far as his shooting, not not 100% back, but probably like 80 to 85%. And I think I think that's good for now. I think you're going to still see a clay game. We're going to probably get a game six clay somewhere, or even if it's not in a game six, one of those kinds of performances. And he shot really well in the Denver series. So he's just struggling a little bit in this series, but that's also not uncommon for clay. Like if you go back and you look at their playoff history, he's had series before where he struggled with his shot. So I think the only difference this time is he's pressing a little bit sometimes. Um, even even more for Clay, who is never going to pass the ball like he doesn't give up the rock. But I still think the shot selection is even a little extreme for him. Uh, we'd be remiss if we limited your analysis to the Warriors. You are far more <laughs> than a single team NBA observer. So uh, there any, anything like when you when you got your eye on perhaps the next team looks like it, mm -hmm. whether that's the Suns or the Mavericks, or even in the Eastern Conference, like what are some of the other top of mind, you know, top of your list storylines in this NBA playoffs? Besides just the parity, we were talking about it a minute ago. It feels as wide open as we can remember in recent memory. The Warriors, one could sure. argue, are the favorites, but they've had their inconsistencies as well. Yeah. Uh, what else jumps out to you across the, the playoff landscape? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you guys. I think it's the parity. I think every team has had like some really bad games and then every team for the most part has a games where they look dominant. So you don't really know what to think. Um, I think that Suns Mav series is really interesting. Um, I think the Warriors and the Suns, I think we're actually a really bad matchup for the Suns. Um, so, but I still think that would be a really don't good series. Michael I just that. think. Uh oh, <laughs> oh he wow. thinks the Suns got got the Warriors. <laughs> Michael, I, um, I, I think the Suns. I think the Suns <laughs> got the most Suns, people. I he think, think the Suns yeah. got the '96 Bulls. All right, just so you know, no, like, Scott, I, not, just like, what like, you understand. I mean, they're over there attacking him <laughs> in Dallas, and Chris Paul is getting fouled out and looking. I don't know. So, um, the point God was struggling a bit. So you know. Um, Dallas made some adjustments that affected them. It wasn't just like their role players, you know, shooting better, but they targeted Chris Paul and he struggled and like, you know, their players were cutting more. So they, they switched up the way they were running their offense and it gave the Suns problems. Aiton looked a little more timid than usual. I mean, he was like, you know, you saw some of that bobbling of the ball, some of that stuff in his early years, he wasn't finishing as well. So, I mean, I think the Suns are going to play better when they go back, but I, I think that series is interesting because Luca is the best player on the floor in that series. And so I think that gives the Mavs a chance to win. I still have the Suns coming out of that probably in seven games, but I don't think that the Suns 
are the way that people were making. I understand they had an amazing record, but I don't think they're the team people were making them out to be like that they're unbeatable or no one could stop them. And then I really love that Celtics Buck series. You know, um, Michael, you might be happy to hear this, but I actually think the Celtics are going to make it out the East and get to the finals. And I would love to see a Warriors Celtics finals. Um, I think... I think the further you go in a series, the loss of Chris Middleton is going to become more apparent, uh, especially if the series yeah. goes longer. And I think, you know, expecting Drew to be like a 20-plus score efficiently when he's guarding the opposing team's, you know, wing or like, you know, best player, like that's challenging. So I think... Um, you haven't seen a Jason Tatum game and I expect there to be at least one or two before this, this series ends. So especially if he can figure out a way to take advantage of the drop coverage they're putting him in. So I, I like the Celtics in that series and I'm, I'm really interested in the Sixers because they just made it a series. I like that they tied it up. I actually have the Sixers winning that too. I think the series will look much different if they would have had Embiid from the getting beginning and you had a vintage Harden game the other night. So who knows? Okay. You know what, uh, Nat? I know. I know. Michael Smith was just trying to be funny, saying I got the Suns over the '96 Bulls. But I just <laughs> let me take this opportunity to say that the '96 Bulls are not my gold standard. That's I, true. I don't think I've told you That's that, Michael. True. No, he's my not lying. He's not lying. My gold standard is the Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson. Okay. That when they won the championship with Durant. I have not seen a better basketball team because now you're bringing Durant and now you got somebody like you go throughout history. Nobody got that. Nobody's got Kevin Durant and Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and Draymond Green. You don't have nobody yeah. has that. You can say three. Somebody's got three. Nobody's got four. Four stars. So I, I'm going with them as the best team I've ever seen. I think for sure they're the most talented. Not like that though. Not like that. Yeah, say, Bulls. Mike? I mean, the Bulls. Bulls have Michael Jordan, though. It's Michael Jordan. <laughs> right. That's like two. No, 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 Michael. I was just, I was, I was just saying some of those, some of those Lakers, Celtics teams. Like, I mean, they may not have four. They may not have the, the top end talent that you're talking about, but they have four stars. You would say, like, if you want to go, you know, Bird, McHale, Parrish, DJ. And, you know, you know. So. And what about Showtime? You don't think that they're one of those teams? No. Uh, because I think not, I think Steph and Curry, see, Steph and Curry on a, uh, excuse me, Steph and, and and KD on a different level. I agree with you, Michael. But just you know, you yeah. just said nobody had four. They had four dudes. I mean, like they had four stars. They had four stars. But the, we're talking about yeah. four like bright shining stars, like bright lights, MVP levels. Like so, you have like Byron Scott was a terrific oh, player, like on the Showtime yeah. Lakers. But you got Magic. Okay, Magic Kareem was at the end. Yeah, are you talking He's about like eighty-seven? All that. Kareem was, but Kareem was yeah, at but the he's end. Still... Yeah, no, but that's but like where they were, not the name, but where he was in his career. But where they so were at Kareem, the time. Okay. When he retired, he retired like a couple years after that, right? So like 89, 88, somewhere he was done. And so I feel you, but to me, that's kind of like when it's, I mean, it's a little different, but think about like the later iteration of the Spurs when they beat the Heat, right? Like people will say like Tim Duncan wasn't in his prime, but he's still. Tim Duncan like that's Dominant. still an all-time great yeah. so when they when it comes time for like the playoffs and when it has to be like a shorter span of games they can still step up yeah. and play like those guys in those moments and worthy I mean worthy big time James like what are we yeah, saying yeah. so yeah but I would say 
I would say Duncan when they won in four, when they won it in 14 like they lost to the on the shot the Ray Allen shot then they came back yeah. and beat them the next year. I think if I'm not mistaken, I think that year Tim Duncan was all NBA. <laughs> he was like 30 probably in his late 30s. He probably. was all NBA. I believe so it. He was, I don't remember. He was but... still doing his thing, whereas Kareem was not an all NBA player at, at the end of his career. Hey, Nat, I got one more loaded question. We could literally talk to you all day. We definitely got to do this again. We could. But I, oh, I want I to ask that. you about, do you see any parallels? I brought this up the other day, but between the response to Nikola Jokic being back-to-back -back MVP, joining that thir now 13-member club as back-to-back -back MVP, and the response to Steph being the first unanimous MVP. Feels like the, the negative reaction has kind of gone a little bit too far almost discrediting yeah. the player. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's funny you're asking me that because I think a lot of people think I'm a Jokic hater, which is so funny because I put people onto Jokic. But um, it's definitely a very similar kinds of thing in terms of their games and how people see them and how they talk about them and, and appreciate it. So I think Jokic is an amazing player. I think he has a conversation for best player in the league. I'm just someone who's a little, maybe it's old school and outdated, but I I take into account like the amount of wins you have. And I do think your record should matter. And I'm personally not a fan of giving players who are on six, 60 teams MVPs. So Embiid would have been my pick, but I do think there is a lot of underlying things going on with Jokic. I think it's a style of play. I think it's that he's international. I think it's that he's white. I think it's a number of things. And so um, I think a lot of the commentary around him is it's like, come on, this this man is an incredible player. Um, and I, I do actually enjoy and appreciate his game. It's very in his first MVP season, like Warriors fans often talked a lot about how like the commentary felt very similar to stuff. Well, you are exceptional in your own right, and we love your game. Um, bring more of it throughout these playoffs. Let's have you again soon, all right? I would love that. Thank you so much for having me on, guys. No, the pleasure Absolutely. was all ours, Natalie. Thank so you much so much. Thank you. We'll Take you care. All righty. Right, Thank you, Natalie. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. You know, we all understood the importance of this game. And we felt that at the end of game, you know, three, we were in a position to, to, to win the game, and, and we didn't. And um, uh, I was just really, you know, just locked in. I understood the moment, you know, what we needed to do as a group and, um, you know, just come out and, and, and really just did, did whatever it, it took um, tonight. It, it was one of those type of nights. Like I said, he's been doing this for a very long time and he understands what he brings to the game and to this team. And we need every last bit of it on every night we can. So it's a big, 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 big and I, I mean this it's big key Al being with us and and he makes us that much better. Remote to uh, that series feels like a toss up Bucks Celtics. So why not jump it up with the founder of the jump ball.net himself uh, <laughs> Mo to uh, go to source 
for Film Breakdown from the NBA. We appreciate you stopping by, brother, to drop some knowledge in the fresh Muhammad Ali T-shirt. Um, let's start with <laughs> let's start with the fourth <laughs> quarter of, of that game. Uh, whether it's Al Horford, whether it's Jason Tatum, whether it's the job the Celtics did on Giannis Antetokounmpo down the stretch. What is your keen eye? What did, what did you take away from uh, schematically and strategically uh, what the Celtics have done against um, the best player in the world uh, in Giannis, led by 35-year-old Al Horford? Yeah, I think the, the most important thing was they constantly showed Giannis bodies, not just Al Horford. You know, it was Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, all of those guys at least, you know, had, had a shot at him, but always behind one of them with somebody else and with the Celtics their length everything that they got is is really a problem and it wore down Giannis there's there's actually a play I highlighted for, with Giannis on the defensive end where he just didn't even bother helping he had his hands on his knees and didn't move the entire possession while Jason Tatum got a layup over Brooke Lopez and I just was like oh wow Giannis is tired and the more interesting and fascinating part about it was the very next play Giannis goes and scores on the other end and I go like well he was not that tired but he's resting on defense because he's worn out a little bit. With just the Celtics wearing him down, it's a physical thing. Every time, every bump is a cost, right? It's think about like a video game and you lose your little energy bar, right? Every time Giannis yeah, gets yeah. bumped or takes a bump, is <laughs> the bar is dropping if you a block, little bit more? Even if you block, that's like Street Fighter. Even if you block yeah. and you get hit enough, yeah. it still goes down a little bit. Yep, because yep, yep. it hurts, <laughs> man. It hurts when you take a shot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I, I think wonder, that's the key. You know, I wonder, Mo, if if uh, the regular season has any effect on this. And and you, there are two ways of looking at it. On one hand, you know, Giannis, I think he averaged like 34 minutes a game in a regular season, 33, 34 minutes a game. And you can look at it and say, that's great because you don't really want to waste him in the regular season. The playoffs are what matters. But when you get to the playoffs and you've averaged about 34 minutes in the regular season, now you, your team needs you for 40 to, to 45 in some cases that you're not really up for it. Do you think that's been a factor the way he was managed in the regular season? I think so. And I think that's a factor for every team that's going into the playoffs, not just with Giannis. Like coaches sit there constantly and try to figure out how do we get these guys into the playoffs at peak performance level, right? And I think some of it is let's rest them and, and, and keep their legs fresh and then try to get them ready for those playoff minutes. Because it's also, it's not just like, 40 minutes in the regular season is not the same as 40 minutes in the playoffs, right? Like the intensity levels up another notch every we're seeing how physical this series in particular is. I mean, it's, you know, nearly a wrestling match at some points in the game. So, you know, it's, it's taken a toll. And I think you're right, Michael, in, in the sense of like, Hey, it's, sore you know he's he's getting kind of beat up a bit and those long stretches it's part of the game and that's just something everybody's going through and I think everybody's minutes go up because that's when your rotations cut down everything like that it's just expected I know you rewatched the uh the fourth quarter of Warriors Grizzlies uh game four uh what stood out to you the second time around just how quickly Steph turned it on and it's not like I know we've all watched Steph enough we've all know he can do this but he had nothing going really for the first three quarters and then all of a sudden a couple of mistakes from the Grizzlies defensively and it opened up opportunities for Steph and it's just immediately snaps right into form and he's ready to roll you know he has a jab step on Dylan Brooks gets Brooks to jump the wrong way clear open three for him you know he just little opportunities like that that got Steph going and I think that's just almost what we come to expect from the Warriors, but it was something we haven't really seen, at least in this series, with how Steph's been struggling shooting-wise. 
I mean, they didn't lead until the last minute of the game. <laughs> so, I nuts. mean, yeah. e even without Ja, it's like this could have easily gone the other way. Steph also not listed in that stat line of his is that amazing acting job uh, when he screamed the bloody murder when Desmond Bain grazed him, brushed up against him lightly, uh, going for that rebound at the end of the game. But nonetheless, they won it. Do you expect the Warriors to put this thing to bed? Is there any chance I that the Grizzlies can get back into the series? I, I, I think this one's over and I think it's over in five. I think the Warriors understand the importance of, hey, let's get some rest while the Suns and, and Mavs battle it out. We know that series going at least six games. You know, maybe they, it, they're hoping obviously it goes seven, but for them, get some rest, get some extra opportunities there. Now we don't know how long even their coach is going to be out now that he has COVID and, and got us figure how that kind of works out for the, the Grizzlies. It sucks. No job. We all know it, it sucks. They, they've they actually played really well throughout the season without John ja Morant. And I think some of it has to do with their defense improving. But, you know, it's going to come down to finding the right rotations and things like that. And I'll be honest, and I'm going to just take a cheap shot here. Dylan Brooks is, should not be in that rotation at the end of games. That Oof, that, ooh, that was rough. <laughs> you know, watching that stuff down the stretch. and No lies you know, told. Yeah, once he came in in the fourth quarter, you almost felt like, okay, this this actually works out for the Warriors. I mean, the guy shooting big shots at the end of games and shooting about 22% from the field, you know, for this series, like that's scary. All right, Mo, um, yeah, you just referenced it, and we've talked about it. We've seen it on paper. I'm wondering if you've seen it anywhere on film, even in a small little crevice, you know, slow it down and, and pause it, and you see something that nobody else has seen. Because the numbers say the Grizzlies are better offensively and defensively without John ja Morant. Does that does the video evidence back that up? Well, I think what tends to happen when Ja's in the game, and I'm not saying they should, you know, anything about Ja here, but it's just the offense moves more fluidly. They understand that it does the ball's not going to stick in anybody's hands. And by the way, if I have a guy like John ja, putting it in his hands all the time, but there's there's more fluidity into it, more actions. Guys get the defense moving, kick out, and it kind of flies around the court. Defensively, Jaws just got to improve defensively. There's no question about it. He's he's a guy you're going to go at over and over again, you know, on the when you're the offense. And I think that's the stuff that the Warriors were doing. That's some of the stuff that we saw Minnesota go at him. I mean, Patrick Beverly was going at him. And if you're at the point defensively where they feel like Patrick Beverly can get a bucket on you, you need to improve on that side of the court. And I think that's that's where that shows on the defensive end. And that's something where Jaws got to improve. I think offensively is just along the lines of it moves flow more more fluidly and i think that's something that we probably should read too much into it because playoffs you need your superstars and that's the one thing you know ja won them game two there's no question yeah. about that with his performance yeah. so it's it's you know he needs to be on the floor you just need your superstars in the playoffs more than the regular season oh literally uh, i think this is going into last night the grizzlies were a plus 36 when he was on the court in the playoffs minus 29 on the bench in the playoffs and as you see there they've lost their last four without job but let me ask you this man I'm gonna I'm I'm move past uh, I've asked enough people and talked enough about the the reaction to Nikola Jokic being a back-to-back -back <laughs> MVP over seemingly the people's choice uh, Joel Embiid and understandably so I don't say that dismissively at all a, a rightful MVP candidate in his own right I'll ask it to you like this Mo what's the thing we just let's just narrow it to these two Giannis he can be satisfied with his reigning finals MVP and mythical best player in the world trophy. Um, when it comes to Jokic and Embiid from 
your vantage point, from your expert video analysis point of view, what's something that's underappreciated about both those guys that gets lost mm. in the gaudy numbers or even the narratives around what they don't have in the form of a supporting cast or what they've had to overcome in both cases? What's something that on film grabs your attention in both instances of Jokic and Embiid? So I want to start with Embiid, and I think it's just we don't talk enough about Joel Embiid's defense. You know, I feel like we, we're we in awe of what he can do offensively and how, how strong he is and all the moves he can make. But defensively, he's a problem at the rim. It, it's to the point where guys go in there and they look and they go, oh, it's Embiid. I'm not even going to take the shot. Let me just find the kick out. And it's, you know, it, it, it's an issue there. And I think that's something that really separates him from a lot of guys. He plays on both ends of the floor in a way at, at a level that you would want from your star player. I think with Jokic, you know, it's been discussed a lot. He's improved defensively, but he's still not a great defender. He's still somebody we saw even in the Warriors series they're going to target. But I think offensively, it's being ahead of the play. It's not just, you know, making the passes and stuff like that. It's inbounding the ball and understanding, like, he knows a guy is open before that guy actually knows they're open. And I think it's those are the things from Jokic that's really special that it's it's tough to see because it's subtle and sometimes even just the camera angle we have doesn't give it to us and I think those are the things that we w makes Jokic so incredibly special that to the point like when teammates get it they're like oh wow I didn't know I was open now I got a layup it's along those lines from Jokic that I think's it really special and, and I'll just say it all three of those guys deserved an MVP I didn't care who won it at that point as long as it wasn't somebody random beyond those three and maybe we deserve, and by we, I mean people like me and Michael, I mean the nerds, the, the writers, <laughs> guys who ain't never played above, you know, right. junior high and high school and, and don't know what we're talking if about and shouldn't be, right? You know, shouldn't yeah. have this kind of honor in our care. We, we're, not, we're not responsible enough to be able to vote on these awards, even though Michael and I don't have a vote. But honestly, all jokes aside, that's part of the reason why the conversation the last day or so rubbed me the wrong way because it became open season on advanced analytics and statistics as if 27, 14 and eight is advanced in the case of Nikola yeah. Jokic. I mean, what, what does somebody like you say to that? You've been in, in, in NBA organizations, you know, you've, you've broken down film, you, you, you know, you know, the game at the highest level ha have people like I'll say me. I'm not gonna push you in this Michael people like me who who do have an appreciation for ad, ad, advanced analytics. Have we taken over and, and as some would say, ruined NBA conversation? No. And I think this is the, the mistake people don't really understand is the eye test and the, the analytics numbers, the, the numbers test go together hand in hand. I used it as a video coordinator. We needed analytics. There were times where I would look at the numbers and go, that's weird. Let me go look at the film and figure out what's going on there. And the other way around, I would see some stuff on film, a trend of something, and then I'd go to the analytics department. Hey, what do you guys think of this? Is there a way we can quantify this and, and figure those things out? Analytics aren't perfect. There's a question, obviously, defensively, some things you can't catch, you know, by numbers, just in what in, in defense in particular. But I think we're, we're getting really too lost in this is a, uh, eye test versus numbers test and nerds versus jocks and all of this stuff. It doesn't make sense to me. It's you need both. It's part they're both a piece of the puzzle. I use it when I game planned in the NBA and, and I feel like this is something that I use now when I'm looking at film and, and, and breaking this stuff down and trying to figure out like, oh, no, that is a shot I want this guy taking versus, oh, that's a shot he should never be taking. And I think we, we've gotten too far in the conversation of like this is analytics has taken over. 
Analytics has been part of the game forever. Anytime you had a box score, anytime you kept a stat, that's analytics. Right. And I think everybody's losing it too much on this. I appreciate it. It just became it's become this culture war. It's like, geez, <laughs> Jokic is really good too. Hey, you're really good. Motokill, thank you so much, man. We appreciate you. Thanks so much for coming through. Hey, Thanks, let's man. do this again. Long way to go in playoffs. I'm I'm watching film constantly and at my computer, so just go ahead and give me a call whenever you need it. <laughs> All right, man. We'll take you up on that. Thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank yeah, you. We'll definitely take you up on it. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. We always talk about as a team, we always talk about spirit to celebrate and everything, right? Celebrate everything, all the accomplishments, no matter what's going on. Uh, got something here for you, Coach. Got some oh, special coach. people here to deliver. Coach, oh, oh, the way we do and the connection we have and uh, the family atmosphere and everybody back here that makes all of this work and having my family be a part of this uh, this is so stinking cool <laughs> you know I love you guys I appreciate it but this is us everybody this is called marinatation you understand me Feel that. Embrace that. Coach, congrats. Together. One, two, three. That's why you love the song so much, huh? Yeah. And I don't blame you. I don't blame you. It's, it's, it's Monty Williams. You've never said it, but it's Monty yeah. Williams. And I don't blame you. I don't blame you. It's a big part of it. It's a big part of it. I'm just a fan of the way he handles his business on the court. And off the court, we all know. Of, well, a lot of people know his off the court story of how uh, he's dealt with just uh, a tragedy. It was just awful. Unspeakable. No, losing his. Yeah. Yeah, really. Uh, you know, his family. Uh, <clears throat> you know, family tragedy and uh, how he, uh, at the funeral, was able to give this eulogy that that a lot of us say like how do you even have the strength to stand stand there how do you have the strength to speak how do you have the strength to speak eloquently and Surpasses then to continue understanding, to, right? yeah, yeah and to continue to yeah. lean on faith when a lot of times and, and let's be honest there are people who go through some tough situations and the first thing they want to know is well, where is god where is god yeah. yeah they start to yeah. question their faith and he leaned yeah. into it so that's 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 off the court that's the man who he is but I think you saw a glimpse of it, just a small glimpse of how he interacts with his team. I think that is modern coaching. 
uh, in yeah. all sports, but especially in the NBA where he says, thank you for allowing me to coach you, allowing me and the staff to coach you guys because some teams don't allow themselves to be coached for many reasons. They may like you personally, but they don't really respect what you have to say in the flow of the game. Uh, yeah. If if you didn't play the game a certain way, if you don't talk to them a certain way, uh, teams will block you out. But he understands that his coaching does have a lot to do with this team's success, but the whole thing is not about him. He is not trying to take the credit for the success of the team. He always deflects and defers to those guys who are standing around him. So I'm just happy to see him uh, get the props that he so richly deserves. Um, you know, I'm inspired by him off the court and, and I'm inspired by his professional journey. Um, you know, talking about questioning faith, you know, a lot of people is, is believing that your steps are ordered is oftentimes easier said than done, you know, because when, when, when it's like, when you experience a setback, it's hard to look at it as a setup. You know, it's yeah. hard to look at it. It's hard to, not to look at it as an obstacle as opposed to, um, a, a, you know, a stepping stone. And, you know, and that's the essence of faith, right? And so I go back to, you know, was in New Orleans for one, two, three, four, five years in New Orleans. Uh, had two winning seasons, bookended, bookended uh, winning seasons, his first with Chris Paul and his last. Uh, and then went to OKC as associate head coach, went to Philadelphia as assistant coach. And I, I believe it was when he was in OKC is when the tragedy took place that you, that you referenced earlier with his wife uh, passing in the uh, car accident. Um, but then coming to Phoenix and um, going 115 and 39 in the regular season in the last two years with 20 playoff wins. Um, wow. It just being right where he's supposed to be, his steps being ordered and God's plan placing him in Phoenix, reconnected with Chris Paul and this resurgence that the Suns have experienced these last couple of years with a finals appearance last year, could be a championship this year. And then how great would it be to see somebody like Monty Williams with, with, with another shot and, and to have that kind of platform and that kind of spotlight, which I'm sure he'll make the most of in more ways than one. So just seeing that and, and he, look, he, the Lakers wanted him, right? If I'm not mistaken. The Lakers wanted to hire him, but as usual, wouldn't offer him uh, the right kind of contract. They, they don't, they don't, they have yeah. a thing against paying coaches with their market value suggests they should be paid. And so, you know, if, if LeBron and the Lakers had had their way, he, he might be coaching them. Instead, he ends up with Phoenix. If, if I have my timeline correct, he ends up with Phoenix. They had that great run in the bubble. Um, and that was the foundation for these last two years. So just watching somebody, hit their, their journey traverse, you know, NBA ups and downs. And, and like I said, get, get let go in New Orleans. And then, you know, by this time as, as an associate head coach and assistant coach, but still have univer the universal respect um, never went anywhere. Yeah. And then, you know, he ends up in Phoenix. It's just... It just, it's a reminder, you know what I mean? It's just like, you know, your steps are ordered. And, and, and here's where divinely ordered, for I, sure. And, and definitely. And I think, uh, and I know because it's sports, and because so much money is involved, we start off talking about money, and we come to, a, <laughs> come to another point toward the end where we talk about money again. But because it's sports, 
and there's so much money. We kind of missed the point like, okay, Monty Williams, you already pointed out he's in New Orleans. He's a coach and he gets fired in New Orleans. Most of the time you think, well, you know, okay, he made millions of dollars as a coach. He's fine. He got fired. That's not really the takeaway. I think the takeaway is we get and just speaking for myself. I know I'm like this and maybe a lot of people are like this too. You get so caught up in what the job is at the time, the job that you're doing and you feel like you, you, you put so much focus and effort and energy and thought into it and sacrifice into that. When that thing doesn't work, you're like, oh man, what, what's, what's happening? What's going on? Why didn't that work? And we spent so much time yeah. obsessing over why something didn't work. To think yeah. that, okay, this was never supposed to be the destination. You thought it was a destination. Right. It wasn't supposed to be the destination. Sure. There's a, and there's something else down the road. And so can you imagine if, <laughs> if, if, if that's right? Hey, look, can you imagine if Monty Williams thought that New Orleans was everything? Right. I worked so hard to get to this point. This right. is it right here. No, I just made the playoffs. And now I've been fired. Okay, but great. He, but he, but yeah. Monty Williams probably knew at that point that this is for my good. Like this is like right. this is ending, but it's taking me somewhere else. It's preparing me for something else. So uh, yeah, I think um, it's just good things happen to a good person, and he and he's right where he's supposed to be. And I give you a lot of grief about the Suns only because you know just staying on brand and needling you. But yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I, who, how can you not love and root for Monty Williams? I mentioned the Lakers a second ago. I don't know if you saw, uh, and, we, and I know we're up against time, so we'll 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 wrap it up here. We'll we'll pick this up tomorrow. But I don't know if you saw our man Bill Plaschke talk to Jeannie Buss exclusively for the LA Times. She talked about her, her, you know, being impatient that they paid too much money to not make the playoffs, that they got to get this right. I, with all due respect to Jeannie, I do not see how an organization that has that many cooks in the kitchen can be trusted to get this right. Well, I cannot trust well, them given their recent track record to find the right leader or to find the right mix when it comes to players to maximize the last year or whatever that they have of LeBron James and however many games ago have Anthony Davis. So I like Jeannie. I agree, but I don't trust her because she got too many people in her ear. I agree with that logic, but Plasky writes in the column and it was very, it was very uh, it was juicy and it was like, oh, that's right. He said the last time uh, Jeannie Buss was not happy in 2017, she She took the extraordinary move of firing her brother and moving on from Mitch Kupchak. So that's a nice little teaser of, hey, that was five years ago. She's not happy now. So, hey, Michael Smith, you talk about all those cooks in the kitchen. Maybe some of the cooks say, she says, go be great somewhere else. Get on out of here. Get out of here. She couldn't bring Phil back, could she? Phil, Phil can't coach. No, nah, well, she right? could. She could. I'm not lying. I don't even do it for. I do it for a million and a half. Million and a half. Million and a half. Like no, why no, no, pay? No. So why pay thirty-seven and a half this. million? Like everybody can eat, B. But I can do it you're for a million and a half, and I guarantee you, I'd be. I'd be almost as good. I'd be funnier. But, but if I'd you're be good at honest. it, if you're good at it, you're going to depress the numbers at a million and a half. You can't be good. You I don't have seven Super Bowl rings. I can't. You got to be no. realistic too. I can't demand thirty-seven and a half. I'm worth thirty-seven and a half. No lower than five. 
I'm going to take a cut as your agent. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.